This episode of Policing Matters is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Welcome back to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I am your host, Jim Dudley. Hey, check us out on the Police One YouTube channel, and you can see me and my guests and maybe a graphic or a link or two for you to click on. Hey, so I don't know about you, but I hate sideshows. It's like the adage of wrestling with a pig in the mud and the pig likes it. I don't know a lot of cops who like saying that they that they like responding to sideshows. Uh, they always seem like losing propositions. Uh, the media plays it up as if it's some sort of a cultural event. And the police are always seem to be seen as the bad guy in these situations, unless they have a great policy and leadership that enables them to respond and take people and vehicles into custody. Well, I found that uh, needle in the haystack, and that is Sergeant John Ample with the San Diego Police Department. He presented at the International Association of Chiefs of Police in San Diego this year, and he's talking about his program that has been quite successful in curbing, no pun intended, sideshows. So, Welcome to the program, uh, Sergeant John Ample. Thank you. I appreciate it. I like your uh, your pig analogy, too. That was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, I think they love it when they see the cops pull up because they know that, you know, sometimes we're like wondering who we're supposed to catch and what do we do with bystanders? What do we do with the lookouts and vehicles blocking? And I mean, it's chaos at those things, right? So I'm curious. Tell us about what you're doing in San Diego. Well, I say this went back early in 2020 when this took a, a real rise uh, on the streets and we didn't really have a uniform way of responding to these. It was uh, we were sending, you know, two patrol units maybe to one of these events and uh, the department decided that they really needed to come up with a more creative solution. Uh, the, the best way that I used to compare it is that if we have civil unrest or riots, we're not going to send just two units. We're going to have a mobilized response. Well, these sideshows are, let's face it, they're civil unrest. You have 200, 300, maybe even more people participating in this. Uh, when officers go on scene, they've been known to take rocks and bottles and uh, people jumping on the cars. And it puts us in a really dangerous situation. Um, and especially where we're in this you know, phase of de-escalation, uh, having two officers roll in there, it really heightens the um, possibility of an officer involved uh, shooting uh, or some sort of use of force. So uh, we looked for more creative ways to deal with this. Uh, so the biggest thing one was, I remember learned about street racing or dragnet back in 2005 and 2006. And it was one of those static, you know, racing events where they're just going from one point to another, or it was on the freeway. Uh, this was definitely a whole new animal. Uh, there wasn't much research uh, on this. Uh, especially when teaching this. So the department asked me to come up with a, a teaching plan on this and kind of articulate what we can do to solve this problem with the sideshows. Well, one of the biggest things that I, I realized is that we needed to have partnerships with our allied agencies and, and prosecution agencies. And uh, under the tutelage of my Lieutenant Daniel Hall, 
uh, we started to reach out to all of our allied agencies and the prosecution agencies, and we provided training. We talked about it. And I will say, as I pulled on that yarn string, I learned more and more uh, about what these groups are. They're not just a bunch of kids doing donuts. There's so many ancillary crimes that they were involved in um, on top of what they were doing with these sideshows. So what we did is we, we started doing regional training for the enforcement techniques. We actually created an eight hour post class, which is our peace officer standard trainings. Um, and we talked about these purposely built modified vehicles, whether it's a street racing vehicle or a takeover vehicle. Now, most people associate takeovers or dragnet as street racing. And, um, and unfortunately it's not, there's actually different groups under that umbrella of dragnet. You have the street racing, you have the sideshow takeovers and you have the car clubs. So the post-class focused on those modified vehicles when the enforcement posture we can take and the applicable laws that go with them. Uh, the big thing too is also the impound sections. We can give these kids a ticket or these participants a ticket anytime we want, but then they shove that yellow coupon in their pocket and they're free to go for the next year, especially with the backlog that the court was experiencing due to the pandemic. So we noticed that if we take their vehicle, it ends the problem. So we looked for any lawful reason to impound their vehicles. Now, California has a, a plethora of, uh, of impound codes that we can hold these vehicles for 30 days. Uh, we have the option of a court-ordered seizure for 30 days or even vehicle forfeitures. Um, the no next big thing that we really looked at was behind-the-scene investigations. Yeah, if we, you know, we went into one of these scenes with 30, 40, 50 officers, maybe we'd catch one or two but they accept that that's a collateral loss to them when they have 300 people and they're going to continue doing what they're doing throughout the night. Well, as we dug deeper and deeper, uh, we noticed the associated crimes that were uh, accompanying these sideshow takeovers. Uh, we found that uh, groups or individuals were distributing ghost guns, the firearms. Uh, they're involved in drug narcotic trade. Uh, pretty much a majority of those participating were under the influence of the drug or alcohol uh, and we also found that these guys were now also uh, being part of court fraud, insurance fraud, and registration fraud. So what they were doing is that uh, we had an enterprising couple of individuals, and they discovered that all they got to do is on these fixed tickets is forge an officer's signature and submit it to the court uh, to dismiss their charges. And that includes for the emissions violations and the muffler violations and any kind of equipment violations that can be signed off. Uh, also, the insurance fraud. You know, you got these young usually the younger males, you know, they got themselves their car with that low interest of 36% and uh, they get into an accident and now they got to pay for this car with this high um, interest rate on their, on their vehicle. So obviously the insurance companies are not going to cover uh, for them doing illegal activity and pay for this car. So we found that a lot of these guys were staging hit and run collisions uh, and reporting this as a, other than what really occurred. So, uh, and then the final thing is the registration fraud. California has some pretty stringent emission laws. And what they were doing is they're looking for ways to bypass those emission laws because anytime they purposely built their vehicle, there's going to be some sort of modification that's illegal here in California. Uh, also, what we found that a lot of these guys are involved with smuggling, whether it be human or drugs, um, constantly soliciting for that on there, looking for drivers and uh, openly admitting on social media that that's what they're doing because they have to pay for their their, I guess their, uh, their interest. And it's usually not from a base job. Most modifications, especially for street racing cars can average anywhere between 20 and $50,000. So it's really expensive. So what we decided to do is we took all that information, we presented that to our prosecution agencies. 
because a lot of the times, especially with the backlog and the pandemic, they really didn't see this as a priority. Um, so what we did is a Intel-based response, right? We uh, coordinated with our allied agencies. Uh, the big thing was the zero tolerance enforcement posture. Uh, if you do find these vehicles, especially if they're off on their loan, cite them. Don't let them go for the onesies or twosies. If you see those equipment violations, cite them for it. And if there's any reason you can impound the car, especially at these events, you take the car. If you take the car, it stops the problem. That's really where it's going to affect the change. So there's got to be a lot of um, personnel involved in this kind of operation. You get to say you get to a sideshow, they are scrambling all over the street. You've got two or three vehicles and a hundred or so uh, viewers. What's your contingent look like? Is it a squad, two squads? Uh, who decides who takes who, who takes what? Well, again, this is where that allied agency cooperation comes in. Uh, believe it or not, we don't have a huge squad that deals with it here. Uh, what we do is we work in conjunction with our allied agencies. Uh, there have been some, and it's mostly an intel-based response. We know that this is going to go down. Uh, we reach out to our allied agencies through Lieutenant Hall, uh, and he coordinates this, and he will get uh, either California Highway Patrol and then local city agencies will come together and will do that multiple layer response. And it could range anywhere between 25 to 75 or more officers uh, involved with this. And again, this is, it should be dealt with as a civil unrest. Uh, we put our officers in, in some, some precarious situations if we just send two or three people into this. Uh, and I tell you, once the first time you ever go to one of these things, it gets your adrenaline pumping. Especially if they surround your car and, you know, you never know what's going to happen. These guys are high on, on narcotics or, 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 you know, basically intoxicated. Uh, and, you know, it's sometimes people, that mob mentality, what, what could happen. And uh, it's really good to have that coordinated response. People who are trained in this, they understand what's going on. And they understand the enforcement posture you could take and the applicable laws on that. Uh, and the big thing we stress again is that zero tolerance enforcement. If you can charge them for that exhibition of speed, uh, the street racing, the reckless driving, the DUI, uh, aiding and abetting, and even the spectator violations, take the enforcement action. Yeah, for sure. So do you ever decide, well, it's it's just too big, there's too many. So I know uh, a lot of these cars have no plates, fake plates, uh, covered plates, uh, is is the strategy ever that you'll document and try to go after uh, through investigative methods? And that's what our most of our success was is behind the scenes investigations. Um, so uh, you know, in a matter of time, and that's how we're kind of keep pulling that yard string. We're the yard string. We're finding out that these uh, participants are involved in other nefarious activities. So uh, again, uh, we will focus on you know, small things, we'll, we'll see that somebody has been involved in this three or four times. And then suddenly we'll find out, well, look, they've gotten the same ticket over and over. Uh, we pull that information and the evidence submitted to the court. And sure enough, they're signing off their own tickets or they're fraudulently submitting um, paperwork saying that, Hey, we fixed this violation. Mm. And I will say the court does not uh, look kindly upon being defrauded. So uh, these are some pretty serious charges. I know people joke that California doesn't have any felonies left, but a lot of this stuff with especially the court fraud, the insurance fraud, um, uh, the registration fraud, these are all felony counts. And uh, a lot of it, you know, comes with a pretty serious uh, repercussions uh, from the courts on this. 
And I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but uh, I will say that we, we've gotten a, a very positive response from the courts, uh, especially on some of these convictions and sentencing guidelines they're pushing out. Yeah, great. So hit them in the pocketbook. Well, what's the delay in returning vehicles? So you talked about 30-day impounds. Wow, I, I, I would imagine a lot of those vehicles, unless they're really modified with a lot of expensive stuff that they would just forfeit the vehicle at that point. You and you would think, especially some of them now in the takeover community, they call their vehicles clapped vehicles, which means they're kind of beat up. But that, you know, that's like almost a family member to them. So you'd be surprised how many people actually get their cars out. Um, but for the most part, uh, we do have several sections here where we can actually impound the vehicle 30 days, whether it's reckless driving or exhibition of speed, there's a vehicle code on the book. And this was done from early 2000s when we had that real big surge of street racing where that vehicle could be held for up to 30 days. Um, the other option we also have is a court affidavit system where we submit an affidavit to the court for a court-ordered seizure. The judge reviews it. Uh, they feel that the reckless driving or the pursuit that occurred afterwards, uh, you know, there's probable cause. They order the, uh, a seizure uh, through the court order. We take the car and it goes, goes away for 30 days. Um, there's also uh, the possibility of forfeitures. If somebody has a suspended license and they have previous convictions, uh, we can order a, a court forfeiture through the court. And then the city of San Diego has a unique ordinance on the books that if you have a prior for exhibition of speed or street racing uh, and you are, or even driving over hundred miles per hour and you're at, involved in that activity again, it can be declared as a public nuisance and there's an ordinance to forfeit the vehicle from the registered owner. Nice. Nice. So uh, with restrictive pursuit policies the way they are, especially in California, uh, what is the strategy there? Are you using spike strips or spike blocks or anything on scene when you know you're going to have to take off after these guys and then discontinue the pursuit? Well, I say, you know, every supervisor is different. Me, I'm not a big fan of pursuits, especially, let's face it, a lot of these are sometimes just misdemeanors. Uh, is it really worth, you know, the officer's life, you know, the other driver, even the, the perpetrator's life or the citizen's life to get involved in a pursuit and somebody getting seriously hurt? Me, I say no. And that's why it's great having this forfeiture. Um, so if we get the license plate or we identify the vehicle, and a lot of the time these guys think they're smart, they're covering up their license plate. But we're monitoring the social media. We're monitoring what they're doing. We know who a lot of the participants are, and we can identify the vehicles. And we really were successful in the past year, um, especially between about an eight-month period when it was really at the height of takeovers here in San Diego. We impounded well over 100 cars through that court affidavit system. Uh, it really stymied uh, the, the problem here. Uh, people are afraid of getting their cars taken, and we were getting subsequent consecutive orders so if they were involved in three or four takeovers, uh, we were getting three or four court orders to seize it for 30 consecutive days each time. Um, you know, my opinion is, is um, you know, on these just misdemeanor cases, is it really worth the pursuit to me? No, um, because again, that back end going after them with the court orders, knowing who the participants are. And let's face it, they love their social media. If social media didn't exist, takeovers wouldn't exist. That, that is their bread and butter. It's all about being on the map. It's bragging rights and having that, that public acknowledgement. This is not where street racing, where they're winning something, they're getting money or some sort of financial win on this. This is just for the exhibition, for the show. So 
uh, as much as as hard as they try, they may suspend or block their social media for a while, but then it, uh, it pops up somewhere else because they want to be that next, uh, you know, that big thing on the internet. So it's extremely important to them. So to me, I think in lieu of the pursuits, you go after them on the back end. And one of the big things we, we've tried here, and again, we're very successful, is charging, um, especially the ones involved with the sideshow takeovers, uh, with felony vandalism. So they're defacing the roadway. And at, at times, they're in the middle of an intersection, they're tearing up and, and laying you know, tire marks all over the painted surfaces. So it's the crosswalks, the limit lines. Uh, and it costs the city a significant amount of money to go out there and uh, re-slurry sometimes and then repaint it. And an intersection can cost anywhere a small intersection between $4,000 and a large intersection, the twelve dollars to $15,000. And that's just for one intersection. These guys, when they're out there doing these takeovers, they'll sometimes sit anywhere between eight and 12 intersections a night. So you can see the financial burden it's facing with the city is facing in repairing these roadways because now it kind of puts the city in a little bit of liability if they don't fix it. If you don't have a clearly marked crosswalk or a limit line, you know, somebody can come back and sue the city. So uh, luckily, we brought this to the attention of our prosecution's office. We've got vertical DAs uh, and city attorneys, and we brought this to light. And uh, we've had a lot of success in these prosecutions and full restitution from uh, the suspects on this. Yeah, so social media is huge. And you guys have, uh, we're going to post your link of your Instagram uh, at the back end of our show notes. You guys have a pretty good profile there as well. What is been the feedback from the community are they in support of enforcement or are they saying hey let, they're just kids find something else to do extremely supportive uh, the community is all about this uh, they are tired of it it's scary uh, we've had incidents where during these takeovers community members may have tried to confront or drive through um, we've had a, there was one incident where a young woman was trying to call the police they grabbed a phone from a hand and threw it when she went to try to go get her phone they basically carjacked her car and took off with it. Um, so uh, it's it's a scary situation. It, it really affects the lives of the local residents. So we've had a, a phenomenal amount of support. Now, I will say that on Instagram, the ones that negatively comment, uh, ironically, are known members that are participants of the Sideshow community. So uh, we appreciate their, their input. Um, so uh, again, it's it's been overwhelming. Uh, the city council itself, our city council as well, been very supportive. Uh, they did uh, fund uh, some certain extra monetary, um, you know, uh, funding for the police department to combat the problems with the street takeovers and sideshows. Yeah, that's great. I mean, the support is so important. Not so even if the law enforcement agency is determined to put a stop and to put resources onto the problem. The next hurdle is the DA. So you've got the district attorney on board and the courts and you have the community. That's what you need. How has the been uh, working with the DA? It's been phenomenal. Um, we actually presented the problem that we were facing about a 30 minute presentation uh, and the DA herself and her chief deputy, same with the city attorney and the chief deputies. And we kind of explained the problem. Uh, our city attorney's office was great. Uh, they established a street racing task force pretty quickly after we addressed this problem. And then the DA quickly followed in pursuit. I have a vertical DA. Uh, all my cases go through her. 
And then same with the, the city attorney's office. Um, and without their support, this never could have happened. I mean, especially with the success of the prosecution. And uh, we have, they have crafted some really good terms of probation um, from both sides of the house. Uh, it's pretty in depth. And I'm, I'm gonna send that to you afterwards, what we use um, and what the city attorney and both the DAs have used uh, in support of the convictions and what these uh, participants have to go through. Uh, in order to satisfy the requirements of, uh, you know, their conviction. Yeah. So besides the the support of your district attorney, you also have the city attorney, who can help with the public nuisance complaints and the lien sales and forfeitures and all of that as well. Correct. That's great. Well, uh, I did not attend. I wasn't at IACP this year, but I I've heard nothing but great things about your presentation. We've got some links to your program down below. And uh, I want to thank you. Thank you for telling us about it. And if other agencies uh, need your help, they can contact you as well. Absolutely. 100%. Awesome. Thanks for being on the show, Sergeant John Ample with the San Diego Police Department. And your resume is all traffic. It's all enforcement. Uh, we'll post a, a link uh, at the end of the show notes as well. So you've got some uh, some great street cred and uh, you're the right guy working on this problem in San Diego. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, to our listeners, take good care and be careful out there. Uh, great advice from Sergeant Ample about these are in large cases misdemeanors, no sense getting hurt over it. Uh, document and we'll catch them on the on the backside through investigation and, and good work there so be safe take good care and hope to talk to you again real soon